Good morning, everybody. Is that where that starts? Continue it. How about that? But here's the deal. Even though in a hot mess, God is still good and he's still worthy to be praised. Amen. I appreciate, um, I appreciate Timothy's song. May our life be a holy sacrifice to you. You know, I appreciate the, the teachers and I appreciate uh, you guys going down and teaching our kids and I appreciate the things that you teach our kids. And, you know, I talked about it a little bit in class this morning, but isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Sorry about that. I don't know what I did. I talked about it a little bit in class this morning that our kids are liable to say anything as they're learning the truth, you know. Take, for instance, this boy named Philip. Little Philip was spending the weekend with his grandma, and uh, she decided to take him to the park on Saturday. It had snowed that night, and it was a sunny morning. The temperature wasn't too bad. And uh, so they go out, and they sit on this bench. They knock the dust off and make a little cover where they can sit down. And they're looking out, and the grandmother said, Doesn't it look like an artist painted this scenery? Did you know that God painted this just for you to look at. Philip said, yeah, and God did it with his left hand. <laughs> the grandma chuckled. She said, what do you mean by that? God did it with his left hand. He said, well, we learned in Bible class last week that Jesus sits on God's right hand, so it's the only hand he had available. <laughs> Come on, church. That's what I'm talking about. Despite all of the, maybe I need to mess stuff up so my jokes will be good, huh? <laughs> Jesus was sitting on his hand. He only had his left available. What a beautiful beginning. I love to hear the smiles and the laughs. For the next several weeks, seriously, we're going to be looking and thinking about this question. And I want to challenge you to, to really engage your minds in this thought. We're going to be talking about a variety of issues. We're going to be talking about a variety of things uh, that we face. But I want us to be thinking about what does a Christian look like today? And I want to do it from this angle. Ha Man. <laughs> oh, man, you got to love it. Appreciate you, uh, Michael. The mind of Christ, not the mind of Matt, definitely. But I want us to think about when it comes to dealing with temptations 
of the world, when it comes to dealing with sin, how do we handle it? What does a Christian look like today? Simple answer is a Christian today should look like Jesus. Amen. And I want to begin to unpack that thought. I want us to dig a little bit deeper and see how we can look like Christ. A Christian living in this world today should look like him. But in order for us to look like him, we must have the mind like him. Amen. See, it's one thing to say that I look like a Christian, but when my actions prove it, it's a whole different story, right? Because not only do I talk the talk, but I walk the walk. Now, in order for us to handle these different topics, in order for us to handle these different actions that we're going to be talking about as we deal with them in the world today, we have to understand two basic things. Two basic fundamentals of Christ that will help us every single time that we deal with the situation in our life. To show people who we serve. Two things and the lesson will be yours. The first thing is this. Christ understood obedience. Now... Philippians chapter 2, which was up there earlier for you, I want to read this and I want you to think about this, okay? Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Very familiar passage. And it goes on to say, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He did not have a problem saying that he was equal with the Almighty. He didn't have a problem with that. It says, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think about it. Jesus made himself a bondservant. Jesus made himself a willing slave to do the will of the Father. And even though he knew what was going to be involved with that, now, think about that. No matter what it cost him, it didn't matter if it cost him his reputation. What about our reputations, brethren? Are they important to us? Are they what keep us going? Is it what keeps us from, as it happened in John chapter 12, when many believed in Jesus, but they wanted the praise of men instead of the praise of God? Jesus said, I'm willing to give up my reputation. And not only am I willing to give up my reputation, I'm willing to give up my life. Nothing was going to stop him. No matter what. You know, Wednesday night, Bill Watkins brought out a really strong point that I think we should consider on this. He took us to Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, and he said, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. 
and cast it from you. For it is more, you know, and he said this, <clears throat> and I'm not going to give a definition on it because I didn't look it up, but I love the word. He read this and he said, now, many people would say that this may be hyperbole, right? Well, I didn't look that up, but I thought it was a really cool word. So if you know what it means, I'm going to say it. Some people say that this is hyperbole from Jesus, right? Do we know? No. But what do we know? Look at what it says. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now watch this. Would plucking your eye out literally cause you tremendous pain? Yeah. Yes. We would all agree that if we literally plucked our eye out, it would cause us tremendous pain. Now watch what Jesus does. Does making the decision to stop whatever sin is ruining our lives or causing division between us and God or distracting us from serving him. Is, is, is that enough? Is it the thing that is distracting us from serving him? Does making the decision to stop that Causes tremendous pain? I would say it does. When we're involved in sin, we're in, we're, when we're involved in something that's pulling us in and we have the decision to say, it's time for me to stop, there is a problem with cutting it off. Amen? I don't want to really stop doing that. I know I need to stop doing it, but I really enjoy doing it. It's really a part of my life. And it's something that I'm okay with. Bill brought this point out and it's so true. What is Jesus saying in this thought? By removing something that is so important to us, but is keeping us from having the right relationship with God, even though it may hurt something awful, it's worth being removed. Why? Because it will save our soul. Paul said, let this mind be in us. That was also in Christ Jesus. When we think about our lives and we think about the decisions that we make and we think about the things that we're involved in, how important is it for us to filter all of those things through the word of God? Is it something that I should be a part of? No, cut it out. Is it something that I should be saying? Is it something that I should be talking about? No, cut it out. Because it's better or it's more profitable for you that one of your members be cast out than for your whole body to be cast in hell. Here's the reality. If we're going to deal with any issue in the world today, whether it be the way that we give, the way that we talk to somebody, the way that we, uh, uh, how pure we are in our mind, no matter what the issue is, no matter what the topic is, if I'm not dealing with it with this mind, with the understanding that if there's a problem in my life, I need to cut it out, 
My obedience isn't where it needs to be at, and my obedience isn't in line with the mind of Christ. Somebody who didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. And he took the form of a bondservant, came in the likeness of men, and he said, you know what? I'm willing to die for these people because I love them so much and nothing is going to distract me from getting the job done. Christ understood obedience. But I want to spend a little bit more time on this second one. Christ understood suffering in the flesh. If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, and I want to look at uh, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> Paul said, let this mind of Christ be in you. And Peter also says, uh, let this mind of Christ be in you. Look at what he says in verse 1. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Think about what Peter says. Paul says, let this mind be in you. And Peter says that we should arm. The Greek word there means to equip. To arm yourself, to equip yourself, to furnish yourself with the mind of Christ. The first thing that we need to make sure that we're doing is our mind is focused on being obedient to the will of the Father. And the second is understanding this concept of suffering in the flesh. Two inspired writers talk about having the mind of Christ. Christ's mind does something for us. It unlocks success. Amen. Do you want to be successful in your life? Do you want to do things that are right? You want to have a life that is abundant? Get on the mind of Christ and see what happens. See, Christ understood obedience, but what else did he understand? He understood this suffering concept. Look at the second part of verse one. It says, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about what he's saying? For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. The word suffer there, it means to experience or have an impression put upon you. And it's usually a painful one, whether it comes by way of physical or mental struggle. It's an experience or it's a sensation that comes upon you when something is happening to you. And let's be honest, sin, it pulls at us hard, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but I struggle with sin sometimes. I struggle with it because I want to do the right thing, but I find myself sometimes saying the wrong thing. Now, Paul said that too, didn't he? In Romans chapter seven, verses 19 and 20, he says, for the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. You remember, he goes on to say later on, oh, wretched man that I am. 
I'm a wretched man. Who can save me from this mess? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. See, having the mind of Christ gets us to the point where we can deal with sin, whatever it is. See, having the mind of Christ allows us to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to deal with this and I'm going to deal with it in a way that's going to bring glory to God and I'm going to be doing the will of the Father while I'm doing it. When we decide to do the right thing, tell me if this is true. If we decide to do the right thing, when we decide that sin is wrong in our life and we're no longer going to live in it, a struggle within us begins, doesn't it? I'm ready to cut this out. I'm ready to stop doing it. Now, what do I need to do to stop doing it? What do I need to do? How can I stop doing it? We talked about this in, in the Proverbs class today. The only way that you're going to be able to beat that is to have the mind of Christ, to understand what the Word says. See, the Word's going to guide you. You remember 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it's profitable, what, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, when you do those things and you understand those things, then it thoroughly equips you. But Matt, you're talking about suffering. Yeah, I'm talking about suffering. And I'm about to get to it. You remember, and I used it a couple uh, weeks ago, Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. There's a struggle within us. You remember Jesus had this, and I really want you to think about what happen, is happening here. He says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. But then Jesus says this, nevertheless, not my will. Not my will. Wait a minute. What's happening to Jesus? Aren't you thankful he did the right thing in this moment? He says, not my will. So what does that imply? It implies that Jesus' thought was, if this cup can pass, I'm ready to let it pass. When we're dealing with sin and we're dealing with the, the situation of letting it go, what do we say in our minds? Do we not contemplate how to justify it, how to do it where we're not really sinning uh, that bad, right? Don't we work through this the same way? But what does Jesus do? Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus, in the same way as us, he's tempted in all these different points, but yet without sin. Brethren, we can do it. We can do it. But we have to be on our game. Our minds have to be right. They have to be focused. They have to be intentional. They have to be obedient. See, watch this. Jesus, in that moment when he was suffering... He could have ended it all. He could have ended the whole struggle with just a thought. Don't you think so? You remember when Peter cut uh, old boy's ear off, what does Jesus say? Don't you think I could have called all kinds of legions of angels down here to take care of this? 
Jesus with one thought, with one command could have ended it all, but he didn't. What did he choose to do? He chose to struggle. Because he knew if he decided to do it any other way that he would not be doing the will of the Father. Now here's how serious we need to take our lives into consideration in this moment. How important do we, brethren, children of God, saints, the called out, the ecclesia, the ones who've been added to the family of God, reconciled to God Almighty, how important do we think doing the will of the Father is How important is it to us? He didn't let suffering, the emotions of it, draw him to sin. He's, he, he says it like this. This suffering that I'm facing, in the long run, you know what it's going to do? It's going to bring glory to God. How many people do we know, brethren, that have been faced with tough situations? Situations that caused them to make their faith be stronger and now have come out on the other side and you hear them say, glory be to God. Huh? But sin is attractive. See, what sin does, it presents itself as a fix for your suffering. Just do this, man. It'll help you out. It, it, it presents this fix for these, these suffering things and these problems in our lives. Think about the things that we struggle with. Our attitudes, our words, our actions, our thoughts. Peter says having the mind of Christ means that when the temptation becomes real, and the thought of sinning gets close, that is when we have to understand that suffering for the will of God is worth it. Suffering in the flesh, standing on truth when sin is at the front door, lets us know that we're dealing with it. Hey man, you can leave. You ain't allowed up in here. You might as well stop knocking because you can't come up in here You're no longer welcome in this house. You are no longer welcome. Someone asked C.S. Lewis one time, he said, why do the righteous suffer? He said, why not? They're the only ones who can take it. Think about that. What a... Great comment. He says that they're the only ones who can take it. We're trained for this. Jesus and the word trains us for this. He trains us for those hard moments. He trains us for those difficult moments. He trains us when people are laughing at us for our Christianity. People are laughing at us because we're not doing this or not doing that. And I'm talking to the young ones. I know that they'll have this hard struggle at school to do the popular thing, to do the right thing. Just remember this, stand on the truth and don't be ashamed.
I want you to think about what Peter says here in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness and lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Verse 5 says, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Think about this, brethren. We've spent enough of our time. We've spent enough of our time in doing the will of the Gentiles. Amen. Lewdness, filthy or disrespectful sexual manners in public. Is that what a Christian should be about? Lust, craving or longing for what is forbidden. Jesus died on the cross for you. He subjected himself to all kinds of things. I mean, I can't even imagine. He subjected himself to live perfect and here we go in outright disrespect and have filthy or disrespectful sexual manners in public, craving and longing for forbidden things. The thing he took on, but we crave it. We long for it. Is that us? That's not the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ says, you know what? If I got to suffer and not be a part of it because it's something that's tempting me, it's okay because it's going to bring glory to God at the end. I remember, and I'm going to just say this. I remember dipping snuff, okay? I dipped snuff for probably 15 years. It was the hardest thing for me to quit. But I did it. I did it. And I'm proud of myself. You know, a lot of times you think, you know, I'm fighting with this sin and I'm struggling with this thing that's just grab, grabbing a hold of me and it's just taking me over and it's taking all my money and it's doing all of these things. But nobody else is seeing it. Nobody else is seeing this victory. You know what? Nobody else they may never see it but somebody does. It's the king. He sees your victory. He sees you overcoming whatever your struggle is. Whatever that thing that is pulling you in and is grappling a hold of you and is not trying to let you go, but you know what? You push your hands off and you say, no more. You're not going to hold on to me. I'm shutting the door and you can't come in. Drunkenness, revelries, 
drinking parties. The, the explanation for this in the Greek was loud and obnoxious gatherings involving large amounts of alcohol and all kinds of ungodly things taking place. Christians can't be involved in that. Is that the mind of Christ? Abominable idolatries, anything that you put before him. When we think about our lives and we think about having to deal with these situations that we go through, when we think about these struggles that we have in our lives, are we ready to say, I want to be like Jesus and I want to be obedient and I want to understand, you know what, sometimes I may have to suffer through this. But in the end, it's going to bring glory to God. I want you to think about this comment. If we consider the greatness and the glory of the life we shall have when we have risen from the dead. It would not be difficult at all for us to bear the concerns of this world. Did you hear that? Let me say it one more time. If we consider the greatness and the glory of the life we shall have when we are risen from the dead, it would not be difficult at all for us to bear the concerns of this world. Amen? If I believe the word of God and I shall on the last day after everything is over, not only gladly have suffered ordinary temptations, insults, and imprisonments, but I shall say this, oh, that I did not throw myself under the feet of all the godless for the sake of the great glory, which I now see revealed and which has come to me through the merit of Christ. I love that word merit. I had to look it up. It just sounded cool like hyperbole. But I looked it up. You want to know what merit means? It means the excellence of Christ. I want to be excellent, don't you? I want to be excellent. Man, you're a good worker, but Matt he is an excellent worker. That's what I'm shooting for. Not, I don't need you to tell me that, but that's what I want to be when I stand in front of the Lord. And he says, man, you are an excellent worker. And I appreciate you. I'm going to say, Lord, I love you. And I gave my life for you because I appreciate what you've done for me. Are we going to be obedient in our minds? Are we going to say, you know what? This suffering at this time is in no comparison to what we're going to get one day. The greatness and the glory that's to come. And it comes by way of the excellence of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16 says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in this matter. Kids, when you go to school, don't be ashamed to be a Christian. Don't be ashamed to people to say, uh, well, we don't really want to hang out with you because you're a little bit different. If you're doing it for Jesus' sake, to God be the glory. Be strong and be bold and don't be ashamed of who you are. Jesus said this, and I want us to think about it as we leave. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. 
In the world, you'll have tribulation. In the world, you're going to have struggles. In the world, you're going to suffer. In the world, people are going to persecute you. You know, I think about that and I think about Jesus saying that, you know, the, the, the servant isn't greater than the master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Don't think that you're going to get out of it, but you're going to have this tribulation. But remember this, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Don't you love that song? Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you need some victory in Jesus. Friend, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, please be reconciled to God today. Be forgiven of your sins, added to his family, and begin a walk that's going to take you to a place you can't even imagine where Jesus is at. You do it by way of the gospel, believing who Jesus is, repenting of your sins, turning from that way of life and turning towards God. You do it by confessing his name before men, saying, I'm not ashamed to admit that I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And you do it by being baptized in water. You go in old and you come out brand new, washed clean. And you begin a faithful, faithful journey to him. And Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, if you're faithful until death, I'll give you a crown of life. A crown of life is awaiting for you. It's waiting for us too, children of God. Are you struggling? Do you need to repent? Do you need some prayers? Do you need some encouragement? Please, whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing. You let the grow.